0: Hello, everyone. This is Serious and Sober. I am Ray Lockdust, and I'm here again with Alice Rose because we just had so much to talk about that we had to do this again. I'm back. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I have the streamers up again because, well, I still have them. So. (laughs) (laughs) So today we are going to mix it up a tiny bit, but not too much. Don't worry. We are still going to not be playing, not be playing Jeopardy. <laughs> and we are still going to be determining our questions by the system of the four-sided die. That's how they sound when you drop them. And we are going to go through. Each die has its own category. I know that. You don't need to, that's okay. And we're going to jump forward and answer questions. The questions are color coordinated. And those colors mean that either I will answer them or Alice will answer them. So I'm really excited because neither of us know each other's questions.
1: (laughs) Oh, surprise.
0: How about Alice? How are
1: you? I am wonderful. I'm doing really, really well. I just came back from a camping trip, um, and it was super relaxing. And I swam a bunch, and didn't do any work. And I get my phone off the most most of the time. It was beautiful.
0: How are you? Oh, I'm so good. I am. I'm isolating with my girlfriend, which is why I haven't been in my home. And it's it's been amazing Um, that there's a tiny dog, which is cool because I'm not used to living with a dog and dogs are magic. So even though I'm not near my cat, I'm still getting like the fuzzy love that I need. And my roommates are caring for him. So I know he's not being neglected because he wouldn't give you the choice to neglect him. He's a very assertive animal. All right. Are you ready to begin our journey into our trans exploration as well as its connection and how it impacts our history with addiction, eating disorders, and the comedy scene? Yay.
1: Comedy. Also, boo comedy. Also, hi, friends.
0: Yay. Um, <laughs> Casually is... your profession. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I love it. I love it. No, I'm excited for this. It's part two. Part two. Sure. We're doing something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I get to ask you some questions. This is exciting.
0: I'm so excited. I love to talk. So it's a.
1: I love to listen.
0: I <gasps> also love team. to talk. Yeah. <gasps> That's a very good combination. So now <laughs> you have a mission. Pick mm-hmm. a number between one and three. One. Alrighty. You yeah, picked the trans dice. <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> a premonition. All right. Number four. All right. An Alice question.
1: Oh, I asked the question? Or no, a question no, no, for me? Okay.
0: I, I realize how ambiguous that could have been. <laughs> That's okay. A great question and Alice answer. <laughs> Yay. All right. So comedy and addiction are often tied together and romanticized last week you mentioned how your addiction was brought out early in your comedy career what are your thoughts on the connection to addiction and comedy
1: that's great um i know for a lot of people like um For a lot of people, when you get on stage, there's this really big high and an adrenaline hit, and there's a lot of instant gratification, which then falls off afterwards. So it feels like the highs and lows of like an amphetamine. And then when people try Coke, they're like, oh, I don't have to do comedy to do this. Or like, it'll help my comedy, or that it'll make that even bigger. and I think comedy is a very open space for people who are addicts or have substance abuse problems or uh, people who have a criminal past and all of these things. Like it's just, it's, it's all the cool kids in high school that stayed in detention um, and that sort of community mindset can contribute to addiction. Um, I don't think mine was really linked because um, at the time I was drinking, I wasn't getting a lot of laughs. Uh, laughs. No, and I don't think it uh for me, the uh liquid courage, the sort of dulling of the senses before getting on stage when I started, um when I was still nervous before I got up, that really helped with it and gave me a bit of a bravery and calmed me down a little bit. But mostly it was the availability. I mean, you're spending, five or six nights a week at bars and you're usually given drink tickets and you know everyone else is drinking and you're just caught up in that environment so even without noticing i caught myself i was i was uh i was drinking heavily uh more often than not yeah when i was performing as I started picking up because it started out with like, you go once a week or once every couple of weeks to a show or an open mic, and you have a few drinks and you associate those things. But then when you're doing 10 shows a week, um, that catches up on you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I do think that like like the instant gratification in itself is a form of addiction, where like like you, cause you have people, a lot of people who are just even in recovery who get into comedy. And I think the vulnerability of comedy is also what's addicting because it allows people to actually be able to express their thoughts and receive gratification and, com- and, like, and a commentary for it. And that itself is like, that's one of the things I love, I'm like like people listen to me,
1: <laughs> yeah, and in recovery meetings, it's so powerful to tell your story to people, and it's so moving to share that and to be honest um and then it's really it's really rewarding to be honest on stage in a in a comedy setting that makes a lot of sense, yeah, yeah. hmm
0: yeah. All right. um, Do you have anything else to add to that thought or? (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Alrighty. One, two or three?
2: Three.
0: Okay. Number one. Okay. It's a blank one. You know what that means?
1: My turn to ask you a question.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> oh yay. Um okay, I I'm fascinated with gender. This question is can you describe your experience with gender? Like what is your definition of gender? Do you have a uh... define gender for me?
0: Okay. I I find that my experience with gender and the definition of gender are while obviously it like my definition of gender and my experience with gender have to coincide to somewhat make sense i am aware that i experience gender differently than other people because for me the idea of being gendered for lack of better words makes me feel yucky
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's just a complete discomfort for me and i um I have, Oh gosh, I have so much to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have, um, I have so many different, um, I, ideas of what gender can be because it's a form of expression and how you see yourself, how you connect to like, like how you connect your mind to your body, your relationship with your, with your, with who you are. And I think that is so important. And I think that everyone needs to have a journey of gender exploration, even if it's not something that you question. I think that through my own journey and questioning, like thinking, thinking I was a woman, thinking I was a man, thinking I was both, thinking I was nothing, finding out I was nothing. (laughs) (laughs) It's all been so important for my personal development. And I think that I wouldn't have even made different treks in different areas of my life without like my, my two months. I spent as a man, <laughs> but that was secret, so it doesn't count. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I just literally like, told two people, and I was like, I think I might be a man. And they were like, okay, I'm here to express and accept you in any way I can. Like, don't tell anyone, and I'm not gonna do anything about it. And they were like, okay. <laughs> 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 it was like, what happened was um, someone referred to me with he, him pronouns, and it sent a shiver down my spine. Like, it just felt so incorrect, that I was just like, oh. Like, I knew knew she felt wrong. Like, like no, 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 not at all. Like, like when I was a kid, I used to think to myself, I sometimes feel like I'm a boy trapped in a girl's body, but I'm not a boy. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a simplified way to state my own (laughs) experience is just, like, I I enjoy the, like, social masculinity of being seen as like like a strong protective person where mm-hmm. when I um when people socialize me as a female I don't have the highest expectations about myself and right. I so I always try to um this is something I'm still on a journey for but trying to um find the difference between my actual identity with gender and what is in response to having a negative outlook on what it means to be a woman growing up. Because even though I grew up in like the girl power essence of the 90s where like the Spice Girls were it and I was still being told that it was like bad to be a girly girl, that it was bad to be a girl, that it meant I was weak and that the Mm -hmm. only way to prove myself was to prove that I wasn't a girl. And I don't know how much like, obviously that has had an effect on how I view gender.
1: Right, but how much of it is almost to say this rejection of a gender or this this, like rejection of the social norms attached to that gender.
0: Yeah, and then also like, like medically speaking, I, when I went for blood work and they were looking at my hormones, I have Mm -hmm. balanced hormones, both male and female. So, like, yeah, that was very validating. I am like scientifically non binary. So, yeah, um, (laughs) the universe who tells me I don't exist.
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's interesting because I had blood work done when I was recovering from anorexia and they measured my hormone levels and said that I had a uh, hyper to balance out the amount of estrogen that my body produces. Mm. So like I had really high estrogen and it was causing spikes in testosterone.
2: Interesting. And it's
1: interesting now because I have a uh, higher natural um, uh, estrogen production in my body so, mm-hmm. like, I experience uh, highs and lows of, of estrogen because, you know, the estradiol is only like two milligrams. And then the rest of the estrogen comes internally from your body, which still fluctuates with, with period cycles. So, I will get period pains and, yeah. and um, like cramps and different symptoms and things like that. And it's pretty much monthly.
0: Yeah. I, I yeah. find that so fascinating uh, b- about the women who, who take have who take estrogen because it's just like like with um it's even um like like when people um when the cycle like like you know how like cycles can sync.
2: Yeah
0: so like like my, my girlfriend and her wife, both of their cycles are synchronized. Yeah. And then I, I came here for isolation and it was just like all of us got our periods at the same time. Huh? I was just like <laughs> this is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> A very grumpy week <laughs> oh
1: yeah yeah have to change the garbage in the washroom like three times a week <laughs> that happens for sure <laughs> yeah
0: yeah that was um do you feel i answered your question sufficiently or did i monologue too much into different directions
1: no no that was great that was a really good um like visual interpretation like awesome. it was a very visual i i got that
0: quite well I'm so glad I can I I'm very aware that with my speaking style, it's like there's a line between yes, people can follow very easily because I'm very descriptive and I'm just too descriptive and I'm running off into different directions. But I'm actually um I took my ADHD meds today. So
1: Ooh. <laughs> I know. Do you not take them regularly?
0: I'm. What happens is because they just last twelve hours, is and I wake up really early. So because I have the show at eight p.m., I don't want to take them at eight a.m.
2: So, right. so okay. I'll just be
0: like, I'm going to take them at like three, and then I'll just forget. Hmm. And that's yeah. just, it's just me just being trying to be clever and be and ending up being negligent.
1: Right. <laughs> Right. Well, my doctor told me because I was in architecture school and we had, you know, you had to be up really late working and he said he recommended that I take it approximately 12 hours before I plan on going to bed if I'm working right up until bedtime. So.
0: Yeah, that makes uh, sense.
1: Yeah. So that's, it's, it's, you know, it's Not a dumb thing to do, it's not an unintelligent thing to do,
0: it's but just you just to have prepare. to remember to take it, yeah. Yeah, and I just um, it like usually I send like I said, just like a million reminders on my phone to tell me what to do, and now I'm going, I just to send my phone away for repairs.
2: Oh no, you're going phoneless,
0: I am going phoneless, and I sent it on a Wednesday, so I'm not gonna get a new phone till like probably Wednesday.
2: Oh wow
0: yeah it's uh. like oops <laughs>
1: <laughs> is it yeah. otherwise a bit of a break i'm just i'm fascinated I'm not, with I'm social media to. and social media addiction yeah. yeah
0: i definitely do have a really big social media addiction and honestly i keep like like um we were because like i keep using my laptop to talk to people on facebook because that's that's actually what it's there for Apparently, it's not just a Netflix machine, but I've been using it as a Netflix machine. And I kept looking for my phone while I'm like in the middle of watching something. Like, I don't even have anything to do. It's just literally, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Yeah. So I think this week might be a good thing.
1: It might be. (laughs) I tried to keep my phone off the whole time, like while still checking in with people and stuff, but the whole time I was camping. And it was really difficult, but it was really rewarding. I'm yeah, struggling right. with that a lot, too, um, with phone addiction and just having the tactile, like, habit of having to have your phone and having to know where it is. Because I do, I divert a lot of my attention and a lot of my time in my phone, and it's not easy, you know. It's, yeah. It takes over, for sure. Yeah. Very,
0: All right. Okay. Yeah, Sorry, well. next question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one, two, or three? <laughs> two. Two. All righty. Two. Two two. Two. Hey guys, me again. it's what? It's me again. Oh, this is working out oh. nicely. Yeah. Or sorry, it's it's your question again. Wow, this is hard. I'm, oh. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm gonna be more <laughs> clear. I will be like Alice is asking a question next time because I can That's like,
1: fine. Clear. We can fumble through it we can fumble through it. Um, Okay. Here's another question um, that I haven't written down, but I'm curious about it now. Okay. Uh, So in talking about addiction, we see how addiction transfers and there's like a transference of addiction from one substance to another. And you tend to just have an addictive personality or tend to you know, you tend towards addictive uh, substances or activities. Uh, do you think there's a connection between your experience with addiction um, and eating disorder and social media?
0: Oh, 100%. Because it's, it, as you said, like, like, it's a transference of different addictions. So that's actually a huge method that they give when you're first trying to, like, look, when you first start the road to recovery is to replace those habits.
1: Right. And I know with my mother-in-law, it was like drinking soda instead of rum and Coke or whatever she drank and just like replace it with that. And then that was too similar to drinking. So she switched to ice cream, which Mm -hmm. is a beautiful. I'd rather be an ice cream addict than anything. Anything else in the world. Yeah. And sorry, you were saying
0: oh yeah um uh, uh, yeah Side- sidebar my grandpa had the total like same thing he had to quit drinking because of a health condition and then he switched to pop and then he switched to hard candy and now he's on like water bottles so like, <laughs> he's like he definitely has a like, very clear oral fixation
2: because mm-hmm.
0: constantly be doing that gratification right and I think, like that's um this is something I learned in like a lifespan development class in nursing school in 2010. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's old knowledge, but um, when it comes to developing oral fixation, it's something that when you are a, a child, it's because you're either like kept on the soother for too long, kept on the bottle for too long, or you breastfeed for too long. So it's just like pretty much as you're a, like with babies, you have to mix it up or they develop issues.
1: Right. Oh, yeah,
0: and, and i was just like that's like because like an oral fixation isn't like the end of the world, so it's right. not something that is like like all the parenting books are not aren't like like you have to make sure to rotate between like different nipples because it's just mm-hmm. like make sure the kid's alive. Do your best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, How um,
1: to check for breathing? That's more important. More important yeah. information. Yeah your baby's
0: blue that's not good
1: yeah but uh, unless it was born blue yeah unless it's it's eaten too many blue popsicles blue freezies i don't know i I was like
0: reference i'm like like are you gonna like violet with the gum
1: oh no violet you're turning (laughs) violet (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I was trying, but I couldn't find the words.
0: Yeah, I could like I could see the reference like starting to appear, and it was just like like it was like like a cloud of smoke that just like 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 a genie coming out of the lamp and slowly (laughs) disappearing and going back in. Like, oh, wrong idea. Sorry.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Even my genie has ADHD. Like appeared and sneaked out and was just like, "Fuck, what did I come here for?" (laughs)
0: the equivalent of like opening the fridge and having no purpose
1: yeah yeah not even hungry like oh oh yeah that's so
0: funny but yeah to answer your question (laughs) after the the sidebar to the sidebar to the sidebar (laughs) Um, actually can you repeat the question because of my adhd (laughs)
1: Of course, um, transference of addiction. And how do you think that your addiction tendencies have influenced your social media and phone usage?
0: Okay, yes. So uh, um, having an addictive personality and having something that offers instant gratification the way that social media does, I can actively, like I will know, in like, like, like I am at a point where I can predict how many likes a selfie will get. Oh wow! Like it is just just because like like you know there are certain levels of selfies, and it's just Mm -hmm. like like if it's one that is like special where it's like beyond the usual. I'm like, oh yeah, this is gonna be like like an eighty like selfie, and then there are others where it's just like, oh, this is just cute me on my way to the doctor. That's gonna get like twenty. That's gonna be awesome. (laughs) Yeah, and, and just like being able to understand and like pinpoint how you're gonna get that gratification is totally similar like it's so similar to an eating disorder where you're just like what can I eat today and you know like if I only eat half a pint of ice cream and then do this much exercise then I won't feel guilty but I know that if I do yoga first and then eat ice cream afterwards then I won't look at it as the same kind of system like it's just so much of it is knowing how your sick brain works and being able to work around it yeah. So, just there's so many ties. And like I um I first made this connection with I have a cousin who uh, I have several cousins who, but I have one specific cousin who struggles with addiction. And him and I were uh, originally the conversation started when I was talking about improv and he was talking about hockey. And we were drawing the parallels between like a sports team and an improv team. Mm-hmm. And then um we started like and then we started talking about addiction. Which then I was just like, this is a lot like eating disorders, and like we had this like cool conversation about how like despite being so different, we were living like very similar lives. Mm-hmm. And um, um, we were also um, thinking about, or we were both talking about how um, like like we had we each had that thing that we were doing like like he had hockey like he was like on his way to the nhl like they were paying for him to go to school and everything and like it was like like it was gonna be one of those cool stories like this cousin i got to brag about right <laughs> and, and, then, and then life happened and now he has a different story that i still talk about which is great yeah <laughs> for me
1: good source of stories yeah yeah that's that's interesting. Yeah. Learning how your mind works and calculating those those uh, models almost like you're calculating models in your head.
2: Exactly. And doing that with
1: Instagram likes. That's that's a weird <laughs> talent
2: to have.
1: That's,
0: Sad.
1: You know what you should do? Yeah. You should get a job in social media management.
0: I would love to do that. Honestly, I um, I do the social media for my work and I do like their website design and everything because mm-hmm. in my makeup program, they taught us how to run social media. So it's like I literally have courses under my belt. So I, oh gosh, Ooh. I could do this.
1: <laughs> yeah, Ooh. you could.
0: I would love to do that so much.
1: <laughs> my suggestion was if you want to stop doing something, get a job doing that and then you'll hate it but it sounds like this is right up your alley. So (laughs) chase it, do
0: it up. Yeah. And if I start, I have six other careers to fall back on. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) So many careers, we have all the careers.
0: Yeah, I have I oh gosh. I, I was talking to someone. I gave someone a ride to a show of, like several months ago and like we we're just like making con- like con- communication like we'd never met before. And I was just like, I think I have five careers. And he's like, I don't think they count as careers if you're not dedicating yourself to one. And I'm like, what do you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I have been told my whole life like I have to focus on one thing to get really good at it. And I'm just like, I really like like I want to be a social worker and I want to help people. And I also want to be a comedian and make people laugh and entertain people. And I love food and I want to make food and entertain people. I just, oh, I'm a people server. <laughs> just, hey, yeah. You know, <laughs>
1: but, but people like us, we don't work that way. If we have one thing to do and we have to focus on that one thing, we hate it. Yeah. It's, it's harder to do one thing than it is to do three things. Absolutely. I
0: totally agree. When that
1: one thing is included in those three things. If you can procrastinate one task with another task, um, you'll get all of your work done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm oh I'm, i I try I try to be so good. Like, I've taken so many time management courses that mm-hmm. I have all of the skills that I've like like it is it is teaching you how to work around your bad habits instead of creating new ones is the only system that's ever worked with me
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and indulge those habits and take them as take yeah. them as they come and as if, like for what they are yeah but like i'm having trouble focusing right now you probably shouldn't be doing something that requires your focus that you're not interested in
0: yeah I Leave have, it, like, do
1: something else and come back to it later
0: Yeah, yeah. I have like different tasks and different energies that I have, like like, I only have like three spoons today so I know I'm not gonna be able to do any work on the website so I'll have to focus, I'll do some writing and then Mm -hmm. usually writing will like reinvigorate me because it's like a release and I know that like even if I wake up and I know I have to do like XYZ on the work website by 12 o'clock and I just like, I have no energy or focus, I'm still going to spend two hours, maybe three writing because otherwise I'm still going to spend the same amount of time doing nothing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you can have five careers. You can, how many careers do I have? So, so comedian, producer, agent, actor, writer. I have five careers. Yeah. Yeah. You can absolutely have five careers. Thank you. <laughs> Especially if one of them pays. I'm still waiting for that.
0: Yeah, I like catering pays.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Not right now. Uh,
1: well, obviously. But the government pays.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they actually kind of effed me. <laughs> um, there's like a like, like you know how like they gave extra money in March, and then they were just like, "Oh, we're not gonna give you the money like did they-, they didn't do this to everyone, but um they they gave extra money in March, and then they didn't give money in June and July to make up for that money, oh yes." And I was just like, oh, I would have like spent and saved my money differently if you would have told me in advance you were going to do that. Instead, I'm just going to take on the debt of not having that money because I used it for extra debts because I thought I was being responsible with the extra money that I had.
2: Yes. Uh,
0: (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Like like in a situation of just like, I know it's going to get better right now. Mm -hmm. It sucks right now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I get
1: that. You just have to wait it out, but it's painful to wait it out.
0: Yeah. yeah. I am um, I tried to get a sugar daddy the other day. I had a random guy message me on Facebook just uh, like being like, like, so what kind of relationship are you looking for? Like I think he thought it was a dating app or something. Because like it was very evident, like he had made that like profile with the intention to find someone. And yeah. he like, first he adds me and he like he lives in Oakville. So I, I'm thinking like, like, oh, we probably like met at some event or something. And then he starts messaging me right, right away, like, thank you for the request. I'm like, do we know each other? And he's like, not yet. I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> and he tells me the story about, like, his prude wife that doesn't allow him to experience his self and how he feels so isolated and alone and how much faithfulness is important to him and how he expects the woman that he's with to not sleep around and to be faithful to him. And he just kept emphasizing, em, emphasizing,
1: em- Emphasizing.
0: Thank you. <laughs> emphasizing. <laughs> yes. And he just started like, he just kept, I have a speech impediment. And that is like one of those words that I've just like never been able to say. It's Yeah. I just emphasizing, whatever. What was I saying? <laughs> that was good. That was good. Thank you. <laughs> Every now and then, like the speech impediment, like, hey, remember me? And I'm like, yes, you're the reason I focus even harder on what I have to say. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this guy um, sends me messages about, like, like, oh, what can I do for you? And I'm just like, send me money? Mm -hmm. And it didn't work. I was so disappointed. Uh, I I spent all day just being like, oh, woe is me. (laughs) If only I had strong man to protect me uh wow. and it didn't work oh that's
1: unfortunate yeah you should try you should try like uh i don't know if seeking arrangements is still a thing but yeah you can, um, you try like they're like dating sites for sugar daddies and, yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: it's um um fun fact about me it is something that i have done before
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, so it was just like like it was Um, That's not usually something that I, like, decide to talk about, but I'm just like, my mom's probably not watching. It's fine. (laughs) 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 Maybe that viewer that just dropped off was my mom being like, how dare.
1: (laughs) Wait, (laughs) and just mashing the keys on her phone.
0: (laughs) Jokes on you, mom. Her landline phone.
1: phone. (laughs) Yeah. If you were watching and paying more attention earlier, you'd know that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, like a few years ago, I had a sugar daddy. Um, I I, I had a few. Uh, mm-hmm. and we had um, like like that's um, it was it was so fun and like like one taught me how to drive. Um, one brought me to New York to see the David Bowie Museum in Brooklyn. Like, yeah, that oh was God. amazing because like I, I basically I just like casually mentioned um, like it was like you know one. One video call with me in my bedroom, and you know I'm obsessed with David Bowie. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, it's not something I hide. I actually a lot of I have like an autograph from a different sugar daddy, <laughs> but um, that's not the story I'm telling. I am um, basically I- I actually mentioned missing the David Bowie is exhibit when it was in Toronto, and yeah. looks it up to see where in the world it is, and he's just like, it's leaving um, the Brooklyn Museum in three weeks. Do you want to go? And I was.
2: Yeah. Yes,
0: so yes. Also brought me to see like 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 a few shows on Broadway. We saw Waitress and oh, wow. and Avenue Q. And <gasps> he offered to bring me to Hamilton, but the tickets were $900 each and I was just like that's too much for me. I can't. I that is too much to accept from someone. That was my line.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing.
0: Yeah. So I'm just like I want another one.
1: <laughs> mhm. Mm -hmm. that's something that's always appealed to me but I was um um oh fuck what's his name anyways I was burned once by somebody and uh, yeah it was just an unpleasant experience yeah
2: um
1: yeah it was someone it was great because he'd take me out and like we'd have great dinners and bottles of wine from the restaurants and have a really good time and it was all on him but I, uh, he he didn't want to like contribute like his engagement his money um and it was very much like he wanted a girlfriend like he wanted to come to my house and just lounge around and stuff like that and it was like i don't need that's not what I need. And that's not what I'm like. I'm not comfortable with that for money or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally get that. I've had like, like, because like, like, I try to like offer the girlfriend experience. And yeah. Also, that is such a like, like, sugar babying gives me such dysphoria. <laughs> because it's just like, you're yeah. A woman, and I'm just like, in theory. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that must be really, really difficult.
0: Yeah. It's just like it 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 kind of helps. Just like as an actor, I just kind of like put on like a persona of myself where I'm just like, like, oh yeah, I'm Ray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like I um sometimes they'll like guess and ask if my dead name is what my name is. Yeah. And I'm just because like I guess it's obvious. <laughs> and I'm just like, huh. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Like, just every now and then, they'll just, like, send me, like, a very confident message of, with my, like, with my dead name. And I'm just like, have we met? And they're like, no, I could just tell.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> like uh, no. And you could just, you could, you could just say no. Yeah. You could just say, that's not my name. And then they'll stop using it.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. the plan. It was just, like, um because I, um. When I first changed my name, I went through imposter syndrome about like, do I deserve to call it a dead name? Because I'm in, because I'm non-binary. Do I count?
1: Oh, yeah. Aww.
0: <laughs> of course it, of course you count. Of course,
1: yeah, you get a dead name. I get a dead name. You death. get to kill your name. You get to Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. to <almost> dead.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Some some people have to. Oh God I was gonna yeah, sometimes you have to have the paramedic on site to call the death, but um
1: <laughs> not today, not today, today.
0: No.
1: <laughs> shall we do another question?
0: Yes, that is
1: <laughs> all right, uh we've done one, two, and three. Let's go back to two. Let's Alrighty. get another two question righty
0: Number one and number two all right, so this is. I am asking you a question. <laughs> <laughs> Great job. I did it. I was clear. <laughs> All right. Um, how do you cope with dealing with triggers in a public space?
1: Um, I don't have very many triggers. Dealing with misgendering, um, I find it really helps. I, I actually did a talk uh, with a high school Uh, a high school GSA and somebody asked me a question and I couldn't answer that was very similar what do you do when your parents continue to dead name or misgender you Mm -hmm. Um, and you know you can't really like people who who are denying your gender and denying your and consistently like continuing to use your name and your old pronouns and i couldn't answer it and one of the other students had this great great solution that said uh, they said um all you have to do is repeat what they said in your head to yourself with the correct name and pronouns have that little piece of of yourself and that little piece of um pride and like take that and I know you can't really say it out and have them say it, but just by repeating it to yourself. So, you know, can you pass me the butter, Sarah? And then you repeat to yourself, can you pass me the butter, Michael? And then you do it. And it's more affirming. And it's, it's, you know, it's as affirming as you can get in a hostile situation like that. Yeah. Um, so getting misgendered, I would correct them in my head. Um, and it helped to just get through that yeah. moment, get through that moment and find somewhere safe to feel those things and um, somewhere with a little more privacy. But that's how I deal with misgenderings um, in terms of being triggered. I don't really have any solutions. OK, I don't have any examples, I think.
0: Okay. So I will, um, I'll take that on a bit. Um, Yeah. First, first I love that, um, like, like the affirmation of just repeating who you are to yourself, because it also like that's so good for creating habits within yourself, because I still like, like dead name and misgender myself in my head out of expectation that other people are doing it. Yeah. So, like, when I have those situations where I'm having, like, an imaginary conversation in my head with my dad, I always, like, just jump to the assumption that he will misgender and dead name me throughout that conversation. So right. That's not doing anyone any favors. It doesn't matter if I'm right or not. It's still, it's affirming to myself that how people see me isn't how I am. And it's not like I need to validate myself because clearly my dad's not doing it
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and then you learn to to find power in the voice from within and you learn to uh, know ways how to empower yourself so yeah it's it's teaching those habits and like it or not we you know sorry I just had to adjust my chair it was sinking a little bit but um I lost my train of thought Ooh. Wow! I completely lost it. What was I saying?
0: <laughs> oh <my> gosh, <laughs> I was listening, <laughs> and then I got distracted by your cheer, too. And I was like, "Oh yeah, the cheer.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, you were saying about um the oh, this is so embarrassing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's okay. I've had a lot of sun today, so.
0: Yeah, I just like I'm really I really forgot call. beside the tiny dog and I woke up like this and my neck and back have been so sore that I just I like know. I'm be really sore today.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: so I just like I'll, I'll blame I'll blame the sore neck on me not being able to follow the conversation.
1: Yeah, I remember what I was saying. Let me formulate that thought yeah. again. But as much as we hate to admit it, uh, you know, I transitioned at 30, so, you know, as much as my parents would complain, like, I've been calling you something, something for 30 years and now you expect me to change it. We have to change those habits too. Yeah. We have to, like, I'll, I'll dead, dead name myself. Not really anymore, but when I first transitioned for the first couple of years, it was really difficult where I had to, like, correct myself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes I would have a dream and in my dream, I was a boy. And it's like, what does that mean? Am I not trans because I'm dreaming as a boy? But it's it's all this learned behavior that we have to unpack too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good and important part of just this, like the transition is the internalized transition. And there are some people who do that separately. Like, like you, like you, transition yourself and then you come out and then there are people like me who blurt out every new identity that you think that you might be falling into and hope that everyone just falls in and yeah yeah everyone does it their own and because like i'm a very like i'm a very social um influenced person like i i need other people like i need validation it's not yeah (laughs) yeah so um but yeah to deal with public triggers
2: yes (laughs)
0: I have lots of triggers <laughs> so um, so it's just this is something that I do have to deal with definitely more often than I would like to, and every level of trigger has its own kind of way that I have to cope with it, so if it's something that say like a light trigger of just like oh that uh, like, like oh you're dropping the r word and that makes me think of like my own experience, therefore i'm uncomfortable.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: that would then make, like, I would take a moment to myself and, um, analyze the context. And that is what helps me a lot. It's, is just rethinking and going through. So it's like, if someone drops a joke that triggers me at a show, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, um, Like, I I feel like I might make, if I haven't gone up yet, I might make a joke about them being a typical person who would make that kind of joke. And that's how I would kind of feel better with handling it. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Like, like, oh, wow, you can tell you don't know there's trans people in the audience, do you? (laughs)
2: Right, right. Yeah.
0: It was like I went, I've gone to shows like that where it's like, like, it was like, like me, uh, my trans roommate, and my trans friend, and we're just like, they do not know we're here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or they just don't care.
0: Yeah. And I think it, 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 yeah, not caring is a huge factor as well because it's just, uh, but, um, mm-hmm.
2: uh,
0: this is actually one of our questions. So we won't get too into it because then we'll ruin it, we'll spoil our answer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, um, the triggers are something that is very internalized and personal. It is something that you have to kind of know what works for you, mm-hmm. which is not as helpful as I wish it could be. But I find things like counting backwards from 10, counting with each hand. This is like, like it was actually an improv exercise that I learned. Like um, where it's just like, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And you do that with like each limb. And then you go like one, two, three, four, five, six. And then you go with each limb and you make okay, it, like, yeah. really shake it. And it like, for me, it shakes out the energy. And I find that helps so much when I, when I get upset or flustered over something, same with like doing a roll down. Like there are certain things that help my body and mind kind of reset. So sometimes mm. I'll take a moment, I'll go outside, I'll stretch. Um, uh, there's, uh, there's, um, a really good exercise called a roll down where like, like you imagine like, like a weight pulling you forward and you kind of like, like, bend. Yeah, yeah, I find that just resets me. Um, if anyone who's watching is curious about that, I will find or make a video about, about it because I'm sure one exists. It is, it's one of my favorite cool downs of just like, you just like pull yourself up, imagining a string pulling up the head vertebrae by vertebrae and it's so relaxing and it just, it just resets me. So it's just like, I'll do several roll downs. I just, I'm a physical person. So physical refreshing and physical, physical grounding. Like if, I, if, um, if possible, I find laying on the floor grounds me. Mhm. And so it's just like if I'm in a situation where I can just lay down for a minute, fantastic. That will help. And it also is kind of a joke that writes itself. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's so interesting.
0: Yeah. The- That's so
1: interesting and great advice. I'll I'll have to try the roll downs.
0: Yeah, I love roll downs, yeah. and they're also like just good for your back. So
1: yeah yeah well there are basics in yoga and um um guided meditation that that do similar things you know imagine every vertebrae in your body stretching out and relax each muscle one at a time and they're stationary but they're they're the same principle in guided meditations yeah
0: yeah, with um, with my neck wake up call this morning, I did a I did a yoga video for neck and shoulder pain. Mm-hmm. It Did help, and it was just like more like it was stationary. I just like sat, and it was just things like like imagine like pulling up. And now there's the pencil between your shoulders. Mm-hmm. It was um, while it didn't heal me completely, it was so helpful.
1: <laughs> it helped, yeah. Yay, good for you. Yeah, I- and you're feeling okay now, or still a little tense
0: i would say i'm at like a 40 percent okay yeah it's uh, I, I i live with chronic pain so it's just like i'm i i start each day at 50. <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> so doing well okay yeah, I'm great right. let's do another question
0: yeah one to three one okay
1: And the answer is today's Daily Double. That's a question for me to ask you.
0: It is.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. How has coming out impacted your romantic or sexual relationships with people? Did you... So, for instance, were there people who you were intimate with or romantically involved with during your transition? Are there people... Um who have sort of seen both sides of that journey?
0: Um I have, romantically? No? I have friends who've seen that side, obviously, but um romantically I um I'm still friends with some of the people I was seeing when I first came out. Yeah. But um when I did first come out, I was actually s I was dating the first non-binary person I ever met. And they had like a campaign to make me come out as non-binary to a point where it definitely put a stop in me coming out as non-binary for like a year.
2: Yeah, <laughs> was,
0: like no, the only thing I've ever been confident in is my gender, and then, <laughs> like overcompensation much. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Oh, um. I, so I was seeing them, and when I when I actually did come out, they were upset that I told my roommate first. Oh. And then it just like, it was just all downhill from there where we had like this really just gross kind of breakup of them just being like, you're not who I expected. And I'm just like, why did you have those expectations? <laughs> it's unhealthy anyway. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. And then, um, so there were, um, there was another non-binary person and a, and a trans woman that I w- that I was dating at the same time. And I stayed with them for about two months after I came out. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and like, like we were, we were a triad where, so like we were all seeing each other and, um, we actually, um um we, we actually did a sh- did a show together once so like one of my, my second stand-up performance ever was a show that my ex produced and I got like like it was like I had no concept of time so they were just like yeah just like go up and do a set and I was like okay and I just like talked until I like ran out of things to say and then I left like it is like a 15 minute set of ah. basically <laughs> five minute bit now
2: <laughs> yeah yeah Oh, that's so cute.
0: Yeah, so like, we're still friends. But then, um, I did have like a really bad like uh, mental episode where I was just like, no one can or should love me. Hmm. And I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was more related to mental illness than my transition. And I think it was just coincidentally timed because I th- like. But I do think that um, the um, general rejection that my coming out had. Triggered a lot of the um mental health dip,
2: yes. Obviously, it's all yeah. connected, it's all yeah. linked,
0: yeah. So, like, it it affected me a lot, and now I have um, now I, I'm weary of straight men who like me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know that, yes. That's called intelligence, that's
0: called being <laughs> yeah. safe,
1: yes. That's just like, yeah, <laughs> that's just intuition, honey. Um. Sorry, I don't know why I said honey. That's okay. You- yeah. <laughs> that was weird. That was weird. Um, I don't know if I've ever said that word before in my life. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm excited for these questions. Let's do another yeah. one. Do
0: All another right. One. one, three. Choose.
1: Uh we have two on each. There's three and three, but I'm gonna clear out one. Let's clear out one. All right. Yeah. That's the trans days, right?
0: Yep, yeah, you got yeah. it. Yeah. Number two, And it's blue just for you. Huh. We uh, rhyme in. I, I took a, a musical improv workshop yesterday, so I'm all. Musical. Oh,
1: you're all musical
0: up. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. How has the pandemic affected comedy for you?
1: um the pandemic as much as it hit me at a time and i think i touched on this last episode it hit me at a time where i felt like i was hitting a new plateau of my performance especially as a host um i was hosting toronto sketch fest and uh, um i felt like i was gaining a new comfort in this uh, ability to just be more casual and more free freestyle on stage um as much as it ended that it gave me I think a well-needed break from comedy because it was really governing so much of my life Mm -hmm. Uh, and then without the ability to or without the time to write new material and you're just continuing to perform um, it becomes difficult to remain creative Uh, so the biggest impact was that it gave me the time to uh, write and write in other formats and explore and not not have comedy feel like work for a little bit yeah. and approach it more for, from, uh, from the creative perspective. Um, it also gave me the time and the finances uh, three weeks before the pandemic hit I lost my job and decided to produce full time. Looking at things now um I I wouldn't have been able to make it. Uh financially the first three months would have been such a struggle. Um you know, I don't I really feel like that though. So the pandemic has afforded me that time with the SERB payments and with all of that. It's given me that time to develop things to a point where I can make it a career and I can make a living doing it. Um with producing and with comic sans and all of that so it's been a saving grace for me because the government was finally giving me money to like investing in my art they were just sort of paying me not to be an artist so um yeah it was accidental funding for uh formalizing a lot of comic sans as it is now um, and it was a well-needing break. And also it gave me the opportunity to do it again for the first time. To get back up on stage and feel those nerves and have new material that you're not. Everything was brand new and you don't get that. You yeah. you never get to do a first a thing first, twice. Yeah. you got to. So that was really special for me.
0: That does sound so cool. I am, like, I know my... Second, first will come eventually, and I who who knows. Um, I'm <laughs> a, um, maybe if they're still doing patio shows in October when I'm out of isolation, I don't know.
1: <laughs> yes, patio shows or hopefully limited capacity, like comedy bars and indoor show. Um, yeah, when you're when you're out of isolation, let me know. I'll book you on a show.
0: I I'll agree. give you, give you a spot. <sighs> I love your shows, so they'll be a great first. <laughs>
2: yes, hopefully. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. And I'm assuming you want to clear up number one again for: I'd like
1: to take number one right out. Yeah.
0: One one. What a green card. You saw that coming.
1: <laughs> oh, I can't see I can't differentiate the colors from here, so oh, yeah, I guess not?
0: That's, if I like angle them that just looks blue actually yeah really hard, though.
1: Just so i'm know. not i'm not cheating i'm not stacking this yeah yeah
0: <laughs> all right all Another right question for me all right come at me
1: okay ooh if you could change one thing and only one thing about how you were raised what would it be
0: oh gosh um
1: or about your childhood
0: <laughs> um more communication skills Yeah, my family isn't, um, we're kind of British on like both (laughs) sides. So like in Catholic, so (laughs) there's no communication. It's just literally like suck down all of your feelings. If something bad happens, it didn't.
2: Yes, yes.
0: So I would love to have been in an environment where I was like more comfortable talking about things because like Mm I went through like severe bullying and I would like get like like chased home and like beat up and then I would go home and I wouldn't feel comfortable telling anyone that that happened because I wouldn't like I felt like I wasn't being listened to or that it didn't matter and I would love to be able to have confidence in what I say and feel that people actually listen to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah yeah and that's so important i think as children we're we're all sort of swept aside and our thoughts are swept aside and i mean i've been around kids and like okay your pen is green like move on (laughs) move on to another thought because i'm a grown adult and i can't entertain this forever um but i think as children there's a great frustration and i think that's why i love maurice sendak so much i feel like maurice sendak um captures that almost angst that we have as children or despair from being children from being you know as children you are technically marginalized yeah, and you have fewer rights and you have fewer freedoms and you know you you don't have ultimate free will i don't think we all have ultimate free will but i mean um yeah, and as children, you just, you feel so defeated sometimes because you can't articulate fully, and you can't even understand fully, like, your functioning and your operation. Um, yeah, and then, and then nobody wants to listen to you, and you're told to be quiet, and and communication skills aren't really taught to us at a young age.
0: no. And or, if like, you're not around people who communicate, then how do you develop them? How do you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not being taught them and you're not seeing them to learn for yourself.
1: How do you expect to have them? Yeah. Right.
0: That's really interesting. So I'm like, I'm 28 and just learning proper communication skills. (laughs) It's amazing how much is just like, like, I'll be upset about something. And then I will talk to someone about it. And then they respond accordingly. And then we discuss the problem and come to a solution or compromise.
1: And then you're not upset about something anymore.
0: Yeah. it's, It's
1: just resolved and you don't have it anymore.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's neat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, um, communication has my full endorsement.
1: Mm-hmm. You heard it here 1st Mm-hmm. Serious okay. and sober brought to you by communication.
0: Communication.
1: All right. Do you want to do another all question?
0: All right. Two or three.
1: Two. Okay.
0: <laughs> CJ. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, she's slowing down. <laughs> All right. And we got another green card.
1: Another green card. Wow. Yeah. All right.
0: So I got
1: it. This one's about comedy. Um it's simply why comedy why why com- comedy and stand up particularly rather than other performance arts like music or theater
0: okay, so um once upon a time i as as mentioned, I went to school for nursing, and it was awful, and I was like I was so depressed and I didn't understand why because like I was good at it mm-hmm. but uh, I hated it, I hated everything. And I kept getting stuck in this spiral and I was thinking back, like like when was the last time I felt happy and it was um, a drama class in high school. So I just decided like, I'm gonna take an acting class, whatever, so I I dropped out of nursing school and I started working two full-time jobs to figure it out and I was in like that kind of mindset and I just like, and then I just Googled acting class Toronto Mm -hmm. I found Improv, the Impatient Theatre Company, and I signed (laughs) up and I went and I took an improv course, Improv 101, just the basics, and I was so probably bad at it, I was terrified, I only, like, I I was very shy and introverted, I would only um, volunteer or do things if it was mandatory, and I just kind of, like, got through the class, Mm-hmm. And, then, and I thought, like, okay, that's a thing I did, and it was very fun, but I'm probably not gonna continue. Yeah. And then they reached out to me on Facebook, being like, I think you're amazing. Um, and I would love like like I'm taking two, I'm taking two oh one. Do you want to take 201 with me? And I was just like, like, yes. And it just like hit me, like like just slapped me in the face, like, like you love this. And I was like, I do love this. <laughs> <laughs> and it lit this fire where I just like became obsessed with improv. And I found I had a talent for monologues. Mm. As we were doing The Herald. So I would be the monologist uh, often.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: then um, fast forward to um, me living in Orillia. Small town, one improv troupe. Mm-hmm. I won't name them for lack of slander. <laughs> I was on the team and i i know cj it's a horrible story but i'm gonna tell it anyway (laughs) (laughs) um and we were on the team for a few like like at first it was just like a cute club and then um they decided they wanted to start doing performances and being like a fully trained improviser at that point like i completed like the full course at Mm impatient and um and i was just like hey how about like since i'm an instructor i do some instructing And they were just like, okay, yeah, sure, that sounds great. And I would, and so I would do these like little workshops with them and it was fine. And then during one of the shows, one of the um, gentlemen grabbed me by the side and stuck his face in my chest, squeezed and said, Mommy, I want milk. And I finished the show and then sent a message being like, Hey, that was a line. I felt very uncomfortable and I just like, I don't want anything done. I just wanted a dress that. That was a line for me. I don't like being touched like that. Yeah. And they responded with saying that I was ruining the fun for everyone with all of my rules and that I should just not be on the team anymore. And I um, haven't really done improv since because it um, upset me. So, so um, again, fast forward mm-hmm. again, but to Oakville, and I'm going to Sheridan,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I go to the improv club, and it's like it's so welcoming, it's fun. I had a great time. Um, the ex that I was talking about, like the non-binary one, who was very controlling, and yeah. they decided that them they were in the film program. And the person who was running the improv group was also in the film program, and she was declared their arch nemesis. Oh. So I wasn't, um, it was greatly discouraged for me to go to the improv club that meant so much to me. Yeah. It had literally saved my life. So I stayed away from it out of respect for my partner because I made bad decisions. Yes. (laughs) But (laughs) but good decision, don't worry. I wrote my vegetarian joke, and oh. and I was just like, "What do I do with this?" Yeah, and I signed up for the open mic at Sheridan, and I went and I did my first six minute set with three jokes that <laughs> are all one liners now. Yeah, <laughs> and it was a music open mic.
1: Ooh,
0: <laughs> I was just that person
1: but you still loved it.
0: Oh my gosh, I loved it so much. I got off and I was just like, that was the greatest feeling ever. And one of the servers was in my makeup program and came over and she was just like, honestly, you were the best part of this night. Everyone (laughs) about you and I was just like, really? And then like two of the cooks came over to compliment me. Oh, wow. Like, one of them said, like, like you know, like, I all, I always get really excited when the music stops because it often sucks. But, like, I actually listened to and enjoyed your set. It wasn't just a refreshing mm. break for me. It was yeah, it I was said- a great break. And I was just like, that is sweet. Oh, great. Like, it's like you're insulting other people, but you're not insulting me, so I'll accept it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: Love yeah.
0: it. Yeah, that um that set used to be online but my um a different ex um who oh god I have such a like I was I moved to Oakville with my ex and our and our girlfriend um mm-hmm. both my exes now. <laughs> and um we stayed friends after we broke up and we lived together for like 6 months after. Mhm. And um, so he was the one that took the video and he's mad at me now. So he took the video down. So I just like don't have access to my first ever stand-up routine.
1: No. Uh, so mad. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I delete all of my own videos, but for someone else to delete it and not give you access to it.
0: Yeah. Like, like he
1: won't even send it to you with the promise not to post it.
0: It's gone. Sorry. I don't know where it is. Oh. And I'm just like, why did you get rid of it? That's just mean. Yeah. Why? Yeah. But um, whatever, he has a baby, so who's winning?
1: Ooh, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not bitter.
1: Not at all. <laughs> um, Let's switch it up and go with three this time. Three.
0: All right. Awesome. Three. three. All right. Ooh, three on three. So this is the final green card.
2: Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, no. I think you kind of answered this last time. Ooh. Um. Is there something you're really good at but dislike doing?
0: Did I answer that?
1: Nursing.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm a great, I'm a, I'm a great caregiver. <laughs> But oh, you God. hate
1: doing it.
0: Yeah, it was um it was like I loved caring for people, but it was just like the emotional toll wasn't good. But now um now that I've grown stronger, I'm more confident with the idea of me being a social worker because yeah. I want to like I want to go into like family and group counseling. Yeah. You would like- be
1: wonderful at that. You're so intuitive and you're so yeah. Especially people who um who overcome and resolve mental struggles and, and understand how, like the, you understand how your mind works to a depth that most people don't because you've had to unpack it so much. Mm-hmm. And I won't say most people don't because mental health is quite um, quite prevalent. But yeah, that's a really good foundation for social work.
0: Yeah, thank you. I had, you're, you're also a
1: delight in all of those things. Oh, thank
0: you. Hmm. Uh, I had this like conversation with my therapist on oh yesterday wow where does the week go <laughs> <laughs> and um I like, I just was just saying how I'm very nervous about starting my social work program in two weeks now and I'm and I'm just like and I'm not well and she's just like I'm not well either <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then we had this like amazing conversation about like our each like our own mental health and how you can use your own experiences to help relate to other people and help other people grow and how just because you're not 100% doesn't mean that you can't offer other people advice and like sometimes helping other people gives you the strength to help yourself.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. If you were hundred percent perfect mental health, how how could you be an expert in mental yeah. health? Yeah, this without would... having to struggle or face any of it.
0: Yeah, and, oh. and there's so many different like struggles. Like I have um I have one friend who's um a social worker, and she's had like I would like um like the, the perfect life. Like her parents are amazing, like like just everything, and she's and she struggled with that of feeling like like I have no trauma to relate to people, and I was just like like there are other ways that you can, like you can like under just because you haven't experienced something to the same degree doesn't mean you can't be sympathetic or understanding of someone.
2: Right, right.
0: Yeah. And you can still like offer coping mechanisms. You can still offer other things that that person might need because say everyone who went through the exact same thing worked together to heal. I think like like that's not to say like you can't heal on your own like obviously you can and like some of those people might pull through be good leaders but also sometimes you do need an outside perspective because sometimes having that person saying this will pass instead of you saying it to yourself is more powerful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes having yeah. to say something out loud to someone and and articulate those things helps you as well. It helps you to inform yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I had this conversation. This is like like an old high school debate of um I cuz when I was going into nursing, I wanted to travel with Doctors Without Borders. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to a friend about it and she said that she didn't agree with Doctors Without Borders as an association because they send therapists overseas. Because she doesn't understand oh. how cuz like she just like didn't understand how a therapist from Canada would be able to help someone from like a war-torn country. Right. And I, like, I, I get but, that mindset, but it's just, like, you don't have to be traumatized to help with trauma.
1: Right. You just have to be mindful.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. It's just, like, imagine if, like, I, like, if I, as a therapist, had to reveal all of my traumas in order to help someone else as a form of checklist, like That's, back able- to your
1: resume yeah your resume yeah. is your past trauma experience
0: my goodness like uh. <laughs> I, thought, I thought the makeup artist resume being my face was high pressure <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> i know having to put my head on my acting resume i'm like this i'm too much of a feminist for this i can't <laughs> oh i get it yeah um no, that's absolutely false. There's there's nothing saying you can't relate to people just because you have a different experience. I I lived in Africa and I related to people all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's garbage. That's absolutely,
0: garbage. it was it was like like a you, you know like the high schoolers who were just like I had everything figured out. Yeah, that
1: yeah.
0: kind of mindset of
1: yeah, just open your minds. It's that simple.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm super cool
1: all right let's uh let's do number three again number three all right we have one of each Mm -hmm. and these are all blue questions right
0: yeah yeah they're all for you do you think that your experience in comedy as a trans person has been very different than how it would be in other careers?
1: Um. So being a trans person in comedy, as opposed to being a trans person in other careers. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Because most other careers have an HR department most other careers have formal uh ways of disputing when people um you know joke about sexually harassing you or assaulting you on stage or people um yeah say terribly inappropriate things um it's very unsafe in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. to be a trans person in comedy um there's a lot of open prejudice um, there are benefits as well, mm-hmm. because you're booked on marginalized shows, and there are opportunities out there for, like, the checks and balances. But for the most part, it's, it's the work environment. Some of the bars that you go to, some of the places you go to might not be the safest for you. Yeah. Um, Just in terms of safety, absolutely. It's been, you know, it's, there's been a detriment because there's no formalized employment structure or formalized you know, grievance process or anything like that. However, on the plus side, um, I immediately have an interesting story to tell just with who I am. And when I approach a stage, people want to know more about me. I stand out. Um, I'm remembered uh i'm able to change people's opinions i'm able to advocate in a great way where people's guard is let down and they're accepting of all of this information that i'm giving them uh as i'm delivering like my queer agenda but disguising it in laughs and like the trojan horse of comedy um yeah and i think it's more impactful when you have a unique story and a unique perspective and a unique character that you bring onto the stage.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. So uh-huh. I think I think definitely um you know, there are ups and downs. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome. Okay. And I I have nothing to add. I love that answer. It was perfect. Oh yay. <laughs> Actually, no, <I> <laughs> All right. Um three or four. Three can you tell trans jokes without being trans
1: um you can tell jokes about trans people um you can say jokes that involve trans people um you can even tell trans jokes if they make a point um you can say anything it's whether or not you can get away with it um and if you're funny enough you can get away with it (laughs) or if you're poignant enough or if you're you have a clear enough message you can get away with anything i in theory i can say i can make holocaust jokes on stage i can say the n-word on stage my job as a comedian if i want to break those boundaries or i want to make commentary on the taboo of those topics it's up to me to be a really really good writer to be able to um, convince the majority of the audience who's listening and paying attention that i'm not the bad person that I'm not projecting this hate.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you can tell trans jokes if you're not trans. I have a, a friend, the first person who put me on a show, Tag Wright, his first, the, the set that I heard was about a trans woman. It was a story about a trans woman um, and a couple of guys at a party having a three-way. And uh, throughout the entire joke, I was at the edge of my seat, just like, when's it gonna happen? Like, when is it going to hit where I feel really uncomfortable and I hate this guy? And it never happened. And it was a cleverly written joke. And the trans person was treated with respect and treated as just a woman in the story. Um, The punchline wasn't what's between her pants. The punchline wasn't the reveal that she's trans. Um, The punchline was actually about himself and a callback to something his mother told him. Uh, about, you know, one day you're going to be a degenerate and you're going to be sitting alone or you're going to be sitting on a couch somewhere at a party, uh, drinking beer and smoking marijuana and watching a bunch of people with penises have sex with each other. And that was it. And that was such a good joke. And everything about it was like, that was a trans joke. It was, um, it involved a trans woman But it wasn't a transphobic joke.
0: Yeah, the butt of the joke, as you said, wasn't the reveal of her being trans. The joke wasn't that she's trans. It's just a joke about someone who is. Exactly.
1: And on the flip side, so you can, a a cis person can tell trans jokes. A cis person probably shouldn't tell transphobic jokes. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, just blatantly transphobic jokes, without a joke, without a punchline, without anything following up. Yeah. But that being said, a trans person shouldn't be able to make overtly transphobic jokes. Mm -hmm. Because if you're saying transphobic bullshit, it doesn't matter who it's coming from. The message speaks for itself.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's not like a be all end all of just like I can say whatever I want because I'm part of this minority. Like you can still like you can be a Jewish comedian and tell like tacky jokes about the Holocaust because, well, like it's-
1: exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we won't mention any names, um, <laughs> but no, and it's you know there's there's that um, social understanding of like if you're one of them, you can say it like the N word or like me with tranny or, you know, gay men with the F word. Um, But that doesn't mean that you can spout hateful shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I think that when it comes to using like, like dropping a slur in comedy, it's, it has to have power behind it. Like if you're just saying it, you have to earn what you're saying.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah, but if you're just like like flailing around the like the big weights, then you're just gonna end up really like hurting yourself. You have to pace.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's what I think censorship in comedy and free speech in comedy really boils down to mm-hmm. um, is that is that if you want to say something, you have to be it has to be powerful enough to speak on its own. Yeah, If you want to say something, it has to be really, really funny so that they forgive you, or it has to be forgiving in its own sense. um, And you have to resolve with the audience. Yeah, Otherwise, they walk away like, who is that bitch? (laughs) Um, And I don't think a lot of people know that. A lot of newer comics, they want to be edgy. They want to say things, and they feel like you're in an environment where free speech, you can say whatever you want, because they've watched... um, Tom Cigarette or they watch Bill Burr or they watch Anthony Jeselnik on Netflix what they don't understand is those three comedians um, you know I'm sure Anthony Jeselnik five years ago when he was doing open mics he wasn't doing all of that material because he would have gotten nowhere yeah you learn over time to cultivate your audience and honestly if Anthony Jeselnik or Dave Chappelle, especially now, knowing what you know about Dave Chappelle, if Dave Chappelle sells out an entire arena for a show because he makes transphobic jokes, but everyone in that arena approaches that show knowing that it's going to be transphobic, go ahead. You're not hurting. I mean, overall, yes, you are informing the public narrative and you're you're reinforcing stereotypes. And I may be saying this to an extreme, but if people go to your shows with the expectations that these are just jokes and we're here for those jokes because we know who you are, then absolutely you have freedom of speech because you've earned that. And that's what people are expecting. Yeah. If nobody knows who you are or you show up, I don't know, in a in a um, municipal park one day with a megaphone and start spouting bullshit like really homophobic or really misogynistic bullshit to the general public, obviously that's nobody's gonna have a good time. Obviously that's wrong. Your common sense is, you know, you're so far out of a comedy atmosphere or you're out of, you know, your niche that yeah. you're just spouting hate speech at this point mm-hmm. and it's not about censoring and saying everyone should have the same values and everyone should stick to these boundaries because comedy is about pushing boundaries but it's about doing them smart like yeah. intelligently, because we're writers yeah. this is our job this is our job if you can't communicate um an idea without a word like tranny or faggot um, you're not doing a great job as a writer. If you can only think of one word for something, you're a shitty writer and that's that's it. So, wow, that was my rant. <laughs> yeah. um,
0: we're going to move on to the next question because it might be on the similar topic and I don't spoilers. And the final question. Mm-hmm. Alex Rose, are you ready?
1: wait okay i'm ready
0: all right um how do trans jokes impact your relationship to comedy
1: trans jokes interact um or trans jokes they tell me whether or not i'm welcome in a space essentially if i'm at a comedy show and someone makes a trans joke i know that person is not a friend. I don't, They're not necessarily a bad person, but they're not a friend. Um, everyone who laughs at that joke and appeases those ideologies, I also know they're not a friend. Yeah. And then when I have to go up after a not friends in front of a room full of non-friends and try to make friends with them, it's not easy. It's yeah. really not easy. Um, trans jokes, uh A lot of my effort early on was spent defending trans people from trans jokes and trans stereotypes and educating audiences. So I'd have a five-minute set and three minutes are, okay, this is why what you see here exists. This is why you should listen to me. This is why I'm valid as a person and this is why I'm a woman. Um, And I felt I needed to do that because I didn't know my audiences. Yeah. And these were very generalized audiences. Um and I felt like I had to fight those to overcome them. Now I know that I can do that through, you know, a powerful opener and moving on and just winning them over with my personality instead of trying to educate them mm-hmm. because we learn. But um yeah, trans jokes trans jokes are very difficult because they're they're hardly ever good. Yeah. <laughs> Even the trans jokes that I've written, most of them I'm very ashamed of.
0: Will you share one?
1: Give me a second. I'll have to look through my notes.
0: Okay. Um, While well, you do that, I tell a story. <laughs>
1: okay. Oh, um, let me it. just... I have one... Um. It was about wearing condoms. Um, so I I know it's really important to have protected sex and to use protection. Um, I just, I really don't like using condoms. Um, because as a bottom, I just find it redundant. Um, and then this is so embarrassing. It's the thing about how it's... We are to just look down at a flaccid penis with a condom on it. Um, my, where is it? My dick just looks like a sad poor kid on Halloween, just draped in a sheet with two holes, had it, holes cut in it. And I thought the idea of poking holes in condoms was funny. Um, yeah, that was that was one of the earlier jokes I wrote that I'm so ashamed of. Um yeah we could unpack that for a while <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Just like, like you can tell like what you were trying to do with it
1: yeah I, I was trying to make a dick joke yeah because everyone i knew was making dick jokes and then i tried to throw funny premises instead of explaining a premise and then making it funny i was like it's a funny premise to i don't know um and then like iterations of that joke i'm sure had dumb clansman references because it's you know just a pointed white hood it looks like a pointed white hood and then like a poor kid on halloween because a ghost has a white sheet draped over them because i don't want to make a kkk joke and then like, what's funny about that i don't know poking holes in condoms like you have to cut holes eye holes into a sheet and yeah. For some reason, I was like, those are all funny things that people are going to love. But I didn't make a joke. And it was just self-deprecating. It was self-deprecating because I hate my penis. So everyone else should hate my penis. Yeah. Um. Did I answer the question? I feel like I kind of went off. Oh, yeah, trans jokes. Oh, you're muted. Okay, that's fine. Um. Yeah, trans jokes have. Uh, it's it's just very difficult to write a good trans joke without just picking on trans people or or, um, victimizing trans people. Yeah, in the joke.
0: Yeah, when I um I, I took I took a stand up course at Second City, and my instructor had um a, a saying where he would say like, good comedy is like fugu which is um, for those who don't know, is like, like a Japanese delicacy made out of puffer fish, where if it's cut in a certain way, it can be like lethal poison or yes. it can be delicious fish.
2: Yes.
0: The so co- comedy is like, you can take something like a trans joke and slice it in such a way that it works, but you just have to be really fucking good to do it.
1: Yes, yes. And that's a great, um, that's a great lesson. And I think that's something that all comedians should be taught. Absolutely. Right. It's not, we're not telling you to stop talking about something. We're telling you to stop talking poorly and so poorly about something.
0: I just think and about- just to
1: be a better comic. Like I, yeah. I've heard people who I, you know, they're great comics and they write really, really good jokes. And then they come to a trans joke and it's they 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 go easy on it. They don't even try with it because they yeah. think it's funny enough as it is. Just to mention a trans person, and it's like I know you can do better because, you know, you talked about your boss or your job today, and it was really really funny. Why can't you put that same effort into my people? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're worth it.
1: <laughs> yes, we are worth it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question to end on. I like that.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Trans weird. and
1: comedy. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That, that was actually like because like originally I had just when I started today out I had the leftover questions from your last episode. Yes. Through them, and I thought of that question, and I was like, I can do better. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, yeah, and that was a really good question and both of those questions leading to the idea of free speech and the idea of, you know, who can tell what jokes and things like that. That's something I've been thinking a lot about in writing new material for my album that's coming. Uh, writing new material for an album that I hope to write one day um, and record one day. I wasn't supposed to say anything. Um, yes. So anyways, Mm -hmm. I, in writing that I want to, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm putting honest and very earnest material in there. And I think especially as a queer comic, it's so easy to censor yourself and to cater to that audience because you don't want to offend people or you, you want to play it safe and you want the queer people to like you because the straight people typically don't like you. So you need something. Um, and yeah, just looking back at my material and, and asking myself, like, is that authentic? And allowing myself to write material that is um, offensive and bad and, you know, try to write it and write it out. And if it doesn't work, throw it away. And it's okay to write a joke and like tell a friend and workshop yeah. it and and to dissect it and say, why isn't that good? Why shouldn't I say that? Um, Or how can I make it better? And that's a really good part of the exploration. And -hmm. I think I always saw myself, um, at least for the past year, as a character, as someone who, you know, I told the world that I was going to go out there and come out with a message. And I told all of my friends and my family, like, I'm doing this because I want to advocate for things. That sometimes I get so wrapped up in, I want to make this point. I want to say this thing that I don't i'm not as well versed in just the creative process of freely thinking silly ideas thinking things that are wrong and you know really immature and fart jokes and butt jokes and Mm -hmm. you know still still you know joking and having fun with it and then refining it to a product yeah yeah so yeah. those were really great, uh, great questions, because I got to talk through some stuff that, especially during my camping trip, I've been thinking about a lot, too. So I
0: really appreciate that. I'm so glad. Hey. Yeah. Always happy to be. Yeah. The-
1: <laughs> yes. This was such a good chat. I loved it. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah this is um I I feel like it might be wrap-up time. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and then when we're off broadcast, I can quickly tell you something.
0: Ooh, exciting. Yeah. Um, So we are off to go and tell some secrets. So Mm -hmm. everyone, I hope that you have a wonderful night or morning, depending on when you're watching this. Whatever time it is in the world, I hope you're enjoying it. Um, if you can take the time to like Raylock Dust comedy, Comic Sans, and everything else that we are associated with on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. Um, <laughs> follow us, love us, and keep paying attention to us because I'm optimistic. I think we're up to good things. Thank you, and I love you all. And this has been Alice Rose.
2: Ah.